Welcome to the Odds Checker Champions Day special. I'm joined by two expert guests as we run through the card to try and find the value at Ascot on Saturday. To my right is Odds Checker's tipster. Whenever you come here, you're always in very good form, Andy, as well. And Andy's in great form at the moment. Andy Holding to my right and to my left, returning to the Odds Checker podcast, is Mike Spence, professional punter. All three of us obviously looking forward to going on Saturday. None of us are going to be there on Saturday. Mike, uh, tell us where you're going to be instead of Ascot. Yeah, I'm, it's, it's my birthday on Saturday, actually, so I've, I've accepted an invite to Chelsea United, so I'm off there on Saturday. Fair enough. Chelsea win. And a couple of birthday winners. I'm going to the less glamorous Bristol Rovers against Oxford against United. Andy, will you be on the sofa watching from home? Yeah, nothing glamorous for me. Just um, I'll be there just tuning in from TV at home and enjoying the racing and um, keeping my finger on the pulse because I think you need to be... Switched on on top of things quite quickly at Ascot on Saturday because uh, track position and draw is going to be key, um, along with the ground as well. So first couple of races are going to really set out the dynamics of the rest of the day. Well, fair to say you're going to have a much better viewpoint from your sofa than uh, Mike Ray will have <laughs> exactly, in, in, yeah. in football stadiums. Um, we'll get straight into it. Uh, so running through the card from the first race to the last, and uh, we're going to open up with the long-distance cup. Um, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, Thursday lunchtime. The decks are out and uh, the markets have reformed. So this is fresh, uh, fresh off the press, basically. Stradivarius is the even money favourite. Flag of Honour, 9-4. to four. Uh, Thomas Hobson, 10-1. to one. Sir Eric, 14-1. to one. Mount Moriah, 20-1. to one. Desert Skyline, 40-1. to one. And 50-1, to one. Cypress Creek. Seven runners, frustratingly, uh, in this one. We asked uh, listeners to, to send in some questions. The first one is the obvious one to go for here. Bertie Butler asks, is Stradivarius one of the great lays. For an odds, I mean, previously odds on, now even money favourite. I haven't heard many kind words about uh, John Gosden's Stradivarius, uh, especially for the horse that's had a stellar campaign this year, winning that £1 million bonus as well. So Andy, coming to you first, you can answer Bertie's question, is Stradivarius a lay for you or, or something of a banker? Um, I'm not a layer by, uh, by trade, as it were, uh, but if I was a going to stand it if I was a bookmaker on Saturday. I think he's one of the ones that you'd puff your chest out and be quite happy to take on at around the even money or shade of odds on at time of writing. Based on his soft ground form or lack of it, um, he did run well in the race last year. Certainly bear that in mind. He finished a creditable third uh, behind Order of St George. But the bare facts of it, he went into the race in really good order, similar to this year. I don't think he's done anything this year that he didn't do last year. You know, He won at Goodwood and... Um, he ran well in the in the, uh, the ledger. Um, arguably, that was the best form going into the race, and yet he could only, like I say, finish third behind Order of St George. Um, he just seems to struggle on that heavy ground. It is going to be a slog. There's no doubt about it. Um, it's currently heavy, soft in places. The round track will ride a lot slow, slower, and it's not really his kind of thing. He's a floater. He's a quickener, and he does gallop. The one thing he has got going for him, which might temper, temper enthusiasm for the lazies. He does battle very hard. Um, he's been in one or two gritty fights this season. He's came, come out on top. So he's, he's got that in his makeup. But I do think this is going to be a, a proper test. And he's just not the kind of horse I want to back. Unfortunately, there is only seven runners. Um, Huge blow, that. It is, really, if you haven't had a bet already. Um, I did take a bit of a punt on, on one that I'll talk about in a minute that I thought was overpriced based on his ratings rather than his actual profile because I think his profile is very much going in the right direction that's Sir Eric now um, Aino O'Brien's got I think he's got three in the races he'll certainly got two um, and his main one is going to be Flag of Honour and I presume I presume Ryan Moore I don't know if it was Ryan Moore riding the meeting you'd, you'd have to assume so yeah. I'd, I'd imagine that Ryan will ride <coughs> Flag of Honour because he's second favourite and 
most jockeys look at the bet and think, oh, I'm, I'm going to ride a two to one shot rather than ride a 12, 14 to one shot. But make no mistake, this Sir Eric is a real improver. And he, he ties in with quite a few of the Irish horses that I keep an eye on. The one in particular called Twilight Payment, who's a, the benchmark for all mile and a half, stroke two mile form in Ireland. I mean, he trained by Jim Borgie, finished second, third, second, third, all the time in those staying races, group ones, group twos. I think he was third or fourth in the Irish St. Ledger behind Flag of Honour. Um, but Sir Eric beat him really comfortably the other day. And, and the key to Sir Eric, for those that are not familiar with him, he's a real round action. He hits the ground very hard. And he absolutely devours soft ground. Uh, when he won at Cork the other day, sorry, Limerick the other day, the ground was bottomless. And he, he, he left a, a good feel for dinner. I, I, I clocked him from the three furlong pole that day, and he was the quickest horse on the card. Better than the seven furlong mile handicappers. Some good horses as well. Um, I think he'll stay as well. I think the further he goes, the better, the better he'll be. Um, I think he's a player. Um, he's around about 12, 14 to 1 at the moment. And the other one I'd throw into the mix as well is Mount Mariah, who ran poorly in the Gold Cup, but the ground was firm. He absolutely hates firm ground, so you can scratch it off. He hasn't run since, but he was a creditable fourth in this race last year. Uh, and going back and watching the video, I think Harry Bentley rode him on that case. He had a rush of blood to the head. He took it up about four or five out. It's a long way home in Ascot. And he really did press on, press on. He's still at the winner with a furlong to go, and he only just caved in late on. So he, he ties in with Stradivarius and Audison George. He's only just beaten by Stradivarius, and yet, you know, he's available back at what, 14, 16 or what? 20 to 1 with Betway, Matt Mariah, Sir Eric, 14 to 1. The annoying thing is, Andy, we worked so hard to get you in just after decks, and you've given two each, each way tips. It I know. Been much it's better a, about three hours ago. It's a killer, really, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you'd have done this early on the week at Tuesday, which we've kind of like had a, had a little bit of a thought about doing. Um, these two would have been the, the, the bets. I still think that the way I'd probably play this race is I'd probably back them both to win. I wanted to go each way. But I'd also back both of these two without the favourite. There's no without the favourite markets yet. But come Saturday, they'll, the, they'll guarantee to obviously make Flag of Honour a very, very skinny price second favourite. I'd be, I would have my life on either one of the other two I've mentioned, Sir Eric and Matt, where I beat in Thomas Hobson. I'd be pretty sure that... Um, Flag of Honour won't have his conditions. Uh, he'll make the running. I think it's a long, it's a big task for a horse who likes fast ground to make all the running. Ascot on two miles. I think he'll be a sitting duck later on. Um, so I think this is a really good bet. You know? the, the other two don't count. Um, <laughs> Cypress Creek uh, and, and uh, Desert Skyline. Desert Skyline was tailed off in this race last year. Yeah. He's an absolute million. So really, looking at two horses, if Stradivarius doesn't turn up. Well, let's see, let's see what Mike uh, thinks of this. Do you agree, Mike, are you looking at the bigger prices of the market or do one of those shorter, uh, shorter two take your fancy? I think to, to be fair, I don't disagree with, any, with anything there. The, I mean, there's, there's two things, really, with Stradivarius. I mean, there's two reasons to lay, and one is the ground, as you pointed out. You know, the only t- twice has been beaten over 14 furlongs or further, and both performances have been on soft ground. You know, he's, he's simply not as good, in my opinion, on softer ground, but that's not to say that he's not that he can't win. No better example. than these, possibly. Exactly. As you said, he was third in the race last year. He still managed to beat Mount Mariah last year. Um, I, I think he's very skinny. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to lay him on the basis of I don't think he's going to win, but I don't think he should be an even money poke that he is at the moment. I think he should be more about a 5-4, to four, you know, 6-4 to four shot. I think that would be fair. Um, personally, I don't like Flag of Honour a huge amount. I mean... You mentioned Twilight Payment. I mean, this horse beaten Twilight Payment like three or four times all season. And I, I personally thought he won a very weak 
Irish ledger last time. He beat Latrobe, who, you know, he's a very good horse. He won the Irish Derby, but he, since then, he, he, I mean, he was completely beaten in the Jubmont. Um, and Weekender, I don't think he's the toughest. Um, you know, a few of these Frankels have just a, a few question marks about him. He was second in the year, but you know, when push comes to shove with Weekender, I'm not sure he really wants it. Yeah. Um, and as such, I think he's he could have been flattered by beating Latrobe and Weekender and of Twilight Payment again back in fourth. I'm just not sure what level he's achieved. So while I say Stradivarius is delayed, there's, there's not a huge amount to take on with him. You, you know, um, if you look, if you're looking at Sir Eric and Mount Moriah, the two horses that Andy pulled out, would they be where you're looking, or do you think there's? Yeah, I, I think Mount Moriah should be half the price he is. Um, if you just watched that race last year, with natural improvement, he's not had much racing. Um, yeah, I get the impression that this has been the target since the Gold Cup. It was far too. Far. You know, he he won very well on his first start. I thought he was a bit disappointing at Sandown um, and the Gold Cup. Just just ignore that. It's, it's I think it's pretty clear that they've they've been waiting all year for softer ground, and he'll be cherry ripe for this. Um, and the other thing to oppose Stradivarius is, is this is kind of an afterthought. You know, all season's been about this one million pound Weatherby's bonus. He's won it, and it, you know he's put in some brilliant performances. I. I do think he's been better this year than last year, but you know, and, and he is the best horse. Like all of his form, even his form in the race when he was beaten last year, is still better than anything that any of these have achieved so far in their careers. So you're sort of playing. If you're laying him, you're not really laying his ability and him not winning it. You're sort of laying his just. I know he obviously betting is about their chance of winning, but to to really want to lay him at that price is is. You know, there's not a huge amount of margin. I'm not saying it should be a three-to-one yeah, pick. Of yeah. But yeah, Mount Moriah would be... I like Sir Eric. Sir Eric but I, I'd be willing to take a fairly good chance on Mount Moriah at any double-figure price. I think he should be closer to seven. So on the basis that he will be cherry-ripe for this race. And if he just has any natural improvement from last year, unless he's completely lost the plot, I think he's, you know, he's going to be bang there. So Mount Moriah, the pick for both of the guests here, with Andy also looking at Sir Eric and Mike saying that Mount Moriah should be a single-figure price, 20-1 to 1 if you're quick with Betway. On to the second race of the day now, which is the champion sprint. Uh, we have the Tin Man is 3-1 to one favourite, Labrisa Breeze 5-1, to one, Harry Angel 13-2, to two, Brando 8-1, to one, Tassley 10-1, to one, Lomato 16-1, to 20-1 bar. I'm sure we'll be talking about maybe a couple of the horses that are bigger than 20s. Andy... I mean, it's, it's obviously a, a pretty tough one to pick here in the sprint, but uh, are you looking at some of the principles in the market or are you looking at a, a couple of bigger prices? Yeah, and sort of countdown tradition, I'd probably take one from the top and one yeah. from the bottom. <laughs> um, I think a lot of these on their day can win this race. You know, it's not a race I think you can be dogmatic about and say, oh, yeah, that's got a massive edge. Um, the ground's a great leveller here, and I think one or two horses definitely come back into the equation after disappointing seasons. So I don't think you can look at the form literally and say, right, A beats, B beats, C. I think track position, as I mentioned earlier on in the piece, where the pace is likely to be. And, of course, don't forget that they narrow the track as well here at Ascot. So the, the draw normally where they spread and there's a big wide expanse and they go down the middle, I think there could be a bit of a bias either way, depending on how the jocks play. So you've got to factor that in as well when, you, when you're looking at this race um, beforehand. Um, I think the Tin Man's the right favourite because... Now he's proven that he handles really testing conditions, like when he won at Haydock. That definitely opens up more options for him. Before, I'd always pigeonholed him as a, as a decent ground horse, a good turn of foot, horse that travels well. 
but he slugged it out at Haydock, and that's probably because of his age now and he's getting a bit more um, hardier and durable. So, like I say, I think he's the right favourite. He's got loads of Ascot form as well. I mean, the golden rule about punting at Ascot is to disregard anything that hasn't run here before because you will, time and time again, get your fingers burnt. At least the tin man has got plenty of C&D form. He ran well in this race um, last year, albeit it wasn't quite good enough. Um, so, like I said, I think he's the right favourite. Labrisa Breeze is the one that interests me. He's been a bit disappointing this year, despite um, him being very well backed on quite a few occasions. He was well punted last time at Newbury. He didn't turn up. And that's slightly disconcerting because normally Labrisa Breeze is fairly reliable, even though we know that he wants soft or heavy ground to be at his absolute best, like he was in this race last year. He was brilliant last year. Um, and I think if he runs to that level, then he, for me, he's the one to beat Labrisa Breeze because we know that a big field, Ascot, straight track, soft ground, he cruises through the field and he's got a good turn of foot at the end. Or basically, he outstays everything at the end because he is ostensibly a set for a long horse that gets a strongly run six and heavy ground really well. He's one good run this season, which I think determines that he, he still remains in reasonably good nick is when he finished fourth in the pre-Morris de Guise out of six yeah. and a half. I watched the tape back on that the other day just to kind of reacquaint myself with the run. And I think had Robert Winston not switched from his high draw, he was, there was three that went on the far side. James Garfield, who ended up finishing second, went far side. And I think Polly Dream tracked him through and they fought out the finish. The breeze of breeze came towards the near side and I think that manoeuvre ended up costing the race because by halfway, the near side must have been about six or seven lengths behind. So the likes of Tin Man and, and uh, Labrisa Brice's performance needed to be upgraded. Uh, particularly Labrisa Brice, he was last halfway and he finished fourth. So that was on good ground. So if you, if you factored that run, going back to Ascot on soft ground, there's no way you could rule out Labrisa Brice. And bookmakers have had him on side all the way through. He's only four, nine or two, five to one. He's not like the sort of seven or eight, ten to one chance. He should be based on his, what he's done this season. Um, so I'd definitely uh, give Labrisa Breeze a massive chance. Ask it form of Labrisa Breeze. You mentioned so important. Seven runs, three wins in a second as well. There you go. So and I put him up in this race last year, so I've got good You've reason got form to as be well. fond of him and, and to kind of stay loyal and, and when others have probably dismissed him. Harry Angel has now got just too many bad runs on the board, A, this season, B, at Ascot, to be a viable proposition at his price. I mean, he's the same price as Labrisa Breeze, for crying out loud. I mean, the excuse manual's wearing thin with this fella. Um, you know, he was lights out the other day at Haydock and then he just completely faded. Um, yes, he did run well in this race last year and he, he does now at least handle soft ground, but I couldn't have him in my mind at the moment. You know, the Cox team have been a bit in and out this season. He's been in and out. Um, Brando, I think, will just get too far behind. He's drawn 14 as well. I think that could be a bogey draw if they go down the middle or there's a bit of a funky track there on Saturday. Um, well, but before we go into the double figure, the double figure prices, let, let's see what Mike thinks of those four principles as well. Mike, are there any of those? I mean, are you agreeing with Andy that Labrisa Breeze seems the one and, and Tin Man the, uh, the worthy favourite? Or I, I'm not sh- he's, he's probably the worthy favourite. You know, he's, he's the worthy favourite because he won the Sprint Cup. But I'm, I'm probably in. I, I mean, I'd be very happy to lay the Tin Man just at three to one. I just think it's an open race, and he, he probably, you know, if I was a bookmaker and someone came asking, I'd just lay him all day at three to one. He's probably a you know, he's, that's probably a fair price, if not, in my opinion, a bit shorter. Labrisa Breeze is, I mean, it's like the same race, Andy's got the same same sheet as me. Um, he won the race last year, and as Andy says, 
they've, they've cut this course down the middle um, to look after the jumps track, and it's also to preserve this course just in case it does get too heavy. Um, and last year they did stick to what will be the far side rail, um, so the lower draws are likely to be mm. favoured here. I like Labrie Sabrees. I don't think he's had his ground all year. I'm happy to near enough put a line through everything. Um, but as Andy said, his run in the Maurice de Geese was very, very good. It's really good form. Um, in my opinion, it's as good as the Tin Man's win was last year. I think, I think while Harry Angel bombed out last time, it, you know, it was bottomless there. He was so far ahead of where he should be. So far ahead, three out of where he really should have been to be racing optimally that... I just think it, it, he just fell in, really. I think a lot of the horses in the Spring Cup did. Um, that's not a positive for Harry Angel because, you know, he, he's, you know he's, he seems to be going the wrong way mentally. Um, I, I undoubtedly think he's the best of these by about £12. But the chances of him reproducing that run and that ability, which he hasn't shown since summer of 2017, are quite quite low so you have to really take Harry on he's drawn 13 of 14 he's going to be this side you know, the only way I really think Harry Angel could win is if they were to drop him in and they were to get cover and come late and, and that's not really his style um, you know if he ha- he, I just don't think he'll get home on that ground over six especially the way he is mentally at the moment um, but I, you know I do think he's the best horse and if they were to drop him in and try and ride him completely differently for one last go then I I think he could be the one to... It wouldn't surprise me if he came and won by two lengths or something. I just think they're using his, his energy in the wrong way at the moment. And, you know, sometimes that happens. They, they tried to make the running a lot when he was a three-year-old, and it might still be in his mind. Um, but, yeah, for me, I, I think Labrisa Breeze is still a fair price. Um, he showed completely in France. He still has the ability to win this race. <coughs> it's drawn five right in the middle. They're going to go fast. I, I think everything's in place for a good run and I think he should be favourite and I think he might well go off favourite on Saturday well, we know that when he's fancied his owner does quite does like exactly. a bet as well so <laughs> it wouldn't be surprising to see him uh, see him being no, well backed be as sign. ever um, on, uh, on Saturday um, Andy you're looking yeah, at, right. at, the, at the laptop like there is a bigger <laughs> price fancy that you want to flag up here before we move on yeah, yeah there is another one I'd, I'd definitely throw into the mix of the prices um, um, I think the pace He's all over the track here. We have got front runners both sides, Harry Angel 13, and, and Don wants to run from potentially he's on the far side, and that could drag in the likes of Labrisa Breeze, of course, who's drawn out there as well. But the other one I quite like at price is 20 to 1 is protection. Um, Horse that managed to win a four runner race here last time out, but that wouldn't have necessarily suited him because he, he is ostensibly a, um, he comes from a background of big field handicaps. Uh, but he managed to beat Dream of Dreams quite comfortably. And the market very much is in the favour of Dream of Dreams the other day. And he, he, he basically um, chewed him up and spat him out quite comfortably. He's got great form as well at Ascot on the straight track. Um, I thought he should have been Blue Point here this time last year. Um, but Blue Point just got the first run on him. But he's never been out of frame here at Ascot on the straight track over six furlongs. The faster they go, the better. He loves soft ground. He comes here fresh. The Charlton horses are running okay. Um, I thought he was a big price. Uh, I'd, I'd sooner back him than I would Lamato. I mean, Lamato, according to Henry Candy at Newmarket today, was never going to run. That, he was never going to run on decent ground and, or with a bit of cut in the ground. Now it's poured down around, and he's a definite runner. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd, I think he'll get sunk in the mud. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why Harry Angel doesn't win here, or he hasn't won here. He's run well here, but 
his run style is very much like a flat track horse. Haydock, that's why he's so good there. It's hard to make the ground on a flat track, but Haydock, front runners have an appalling record over this straight track. They always hit the wall. And it's hard for a horse like him to harness that natural exuberance and to try and see it out over six. He can't get away from horses here. And it's a slogger's track on soft ground. That's why the, the horses from a seven furlong background often do well, like Labrisa Breeze and Protection. So... Those are the two I'm looking at under the conditions on Saturday. I presume it's still going to ride heavy or soft because with the atmosphere being quite dank and dense at the moment, I can't, I can't see it drying out. So those are my two against the field. Mike, anything for you before we move on? Not the bigger prices. I, I, I mean, Labrisa Breeze, Harry Angel and the Tin Man take up, about, I think it's about 53, 55% of the market. Yeah. And I'd rather have those three Than taking bigger. up a bigger share mm-hmm. of the market than the outside. I, I, my style of betting is sort of trying to back the best horse, not really trying to back a horse that if it falls apart, yeah. they might win. And, and in my opinion, the race really has to fall apart for any of the other three to win. There you have it. So Labrice Sabrese is five to one pick for these two of the principals. Then also Andy looking at projection as well. On to the fillies and mares now. And we were asked a question by uh, Tristan Wooten. So we will start um, with comparing the top two. Just run through the prices quickly. Uh, Lati Dar is six to four favourite. That standout price with Black Type. Uh, Kite Sir five to one. Coronet eleven to two. Hydrangea nine to one. Magical ten to one. Um, Pilister 12, uh, 12 to one. Twenty to one. Bar. Um, Tristan asks, how do you rate Kite Surfs for Maywin versus the performances of Lati Dar? And I'm going to go to Mike first uh, this time. So Mike, Lati Dar versus Kite Surf. Uh, well, Lassie Dar, I thought, wasn't at her best at Doncaster. I thought that run was £7 lower than Newmarket, which, in my opinion, is her best performance this year, despite the visual impression of York. But that's not to say that York couldn't have been better. You know, she won by as far as she could have done. She wasn't going to go and win by 20 lengths. Um, but personally, I thought Newmarket was better. I, I think on what they've done so far... The, her Verme win wasn't quite as good as, as what Lati Dar's done so far, but I do think Kite Surf was a lot better than the bare result in the Verme. She didn't travel great. I thought, yeah, personally, I think she'll be better on softer ground where it's a bit more of a slog. I, I do think, not necessarily a slog that sort of doesn't really do her justice. She's a very good horse, but I just think a real solid pace on slightly softer ground on a real galloping track like Ascot will really suit her. Um, I think she's she's also rapidly improving. I'm not necessarily, I'm not really sure Lati Dar is still improving. You know, on my figures, she's she hasn't she hasn't improved. If anything, she's slightly gone backwards since the start of the year. Um, I mean, if yeah, I, th- I think she's got a little bit to find, but I wouldn't want to be. You know, I, I'd want to be keeping Kite Surf on the side. I think she could, while she hasn't achieved as much, could easily improve to the same level as Lati Dar. So you're almost saying that Lati Dar's performance has been better, but that isn't necessarily re- um, reflecting the price discrepancy at the moment. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. Lati Dar's got a real sort of sexy profile, as, as you would call it. You know, she's, she hasn't had much racing. Whereas Kite Surf's almost, she's got a real French profile. She's really been looked after and she's improved with age. Um, whereas I, I kind of get the impression Lati Dar was the finished article in the spring. Mm-hmm. Whether she'd have won it, I think, I think she'd have won the Oaks by miles. Um, but I think that was a bad Oaks. But I don't necessarily think she's really improved. I think she ran very well in the ledger, and John Gosden said the other day that you know he's never had a horse come out of the ledger better than her. I thought, 
you know, I, it looked to me like she had a bad race, and, and I didn't think she had a spark in the ledger. She didn't travel as well as she normally does, especially going up in trip. I expected her to, you know, she sort of ran a bit upside down to me. She, she is a worthy favourite, I think. She, she's a little bit skinny. I mean, if you could back kite surf each way at 5-1 to one or 4-1, to 9-2, I'd be all over that. I, th- I think, you know, I think she's a league ahead of a lot of the others in here. And she, if anything's, you know, definitely going to give her a running, I th- I'd say kite surf will. I thought I did think Latida had a hard race last time. Andy, do you agree with all that? Or are you, are you closer to Team, team Gosden? <clears throat> um, yeah, certainly respect Latida. You know, she's a filly that's definitely going the right way. Uh, been well campaigned throughout the season, but... Again, I just, I've got a golden rule ask on. I'll bore you to tears with this, but you cannot possibly back horses here at a short price that have never run on the track. You will do your absolute brains time and time and time again. Um, it's just a terrible bet, regardless of whether she wins or not. You, you keep turning up and backing five to four shots, has never run at Ascot, and you will literally, you will do your conquer. So <laughs> I'm prepared to let her win. Um, there's always great value in races like this with horses that have run at the track well before, and the market's totally skewed. Um, looking at that race at Latitar won, it's actually on the same day, so it gives me some good sectional time comparisons with uh, Sear Class. And I know the Sear Class is the better horse of the two, looking at um, where, they did, where they ran from five out to the line. There's about a second difference. Um, it's no surprise that Sear Class ran well in the, the Arc de Triomphe. I mean, what a run that was, by the way. I mean, it was the best horse in the Arc by half, half an hour. <laughs> so, based on Latitar's performance on, on the Naismar and looking at Coronet, who finished second to Sear Class. You've got a really good each-way bet here with Coronet because Coronet turns up absolutely every single time it runs. It loves soft ground. It was third in the race last year. And on my, on my sectional comparisons, it's a better horse than Lardy Dar, just based on that York run. So what this horse is doing at 11-2, I mean, it's like a free bet, isn't it? Um, very much an under, underrated horse because it's not a sexy profile of the others. But it's got, like I say, it's got that golden ascot form, which you, you, know, you should seriously be looking at. Unfortunately, and this is the, the only slight niggle, she did get beaten this race last year, and I think the pivotal horse for this race is Hydrangea. Now, her two runs, um, her first run this season was fine, but her next two runs were deplorable. I mean, she was 7 to 4 favourite to win the, 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 um, the, the straight track mile. They were running an iron what race to run her in, but they were going to run over a mile and a quarter. To drop her back up some mile on good ground was a mistake. Uh, and then she ran no sort of race again on firm ground, but she's very much an autumn filly. I've looked at her uh, overall stats, and she comes good at this time of year on soft or heavy ground. And if she turns up with her A game like she did in this race last year, she nearly wins this. I mean, she, she left a good feel for dead with her turn of foot. And going into that race, they were thinking, will she get a mile and a half? Well, she got it standing on her head on soft ground. So this is, I think, what she wants. She, she is a slogger in the mud. She's got a condition. So despite, you know, I still rate Lardy Dar. Um, and I think the French horse is okay, but again, she's got no Ascot form, she's got no soft ground form. So the front two in the market here have really got glass chins for me, uh, and you can back Coronet freely at each way, 11 to 2, and high drained, what, 9 to 1? 9 to 1 with Labrick, San Coral, yeah. I, I mean, mean has, are there no concerns to you about high drained just since? I mean, since that win, the last kind of four or five runs have th- been there so There has poor. to be, but there are plausible excuses. Mm. You know, good to firm over a straight mile at Ascot. Not really her bag. Like I say, you look at Labrice, it's a similar situation to Labrice Breeze. You've almost got to dis- disregard runs that, under conditions that don't suit. And if you're prepared to sort of um, give them the benefit of the doubt, which I am, then you've certainly got great value on a horse that 
it, if it's anywhere near its level that it showed last year, um, hydrangea shouldn't be a nine to one shot. And be interested to see how the booking, jockey bookings go. Um, well, that's I was about to say. I mean, with hydrangea as well, it's easy to forget that despite the, the bare form looking fairly poor, finished just six lengths behind Rory Line two starts ago as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's not like it's completely gone at the game. Yeah. Um, the other one, the other one to mention is Pilastra as well. I don't think she's quite good enough based on a narrow margin victory of uh, over Made Up. Made Up was a bit disappointing in the ledger. So if you if you're doing collateral form, there's no way you can beat Lardy Dar. But that horse got a shocking ride on Tatamore. I mean, for a strong stayer who needed every yard to get up at Goodwood, it, Andrea Zina dropped it out last in the six runner race at Doncaster and rode it for a turn of four. It was unbelievably crazy. I'd imagine they'll make a lot more use of Palasta. She's got some good time figures um, when when they've gone hard, and I, I think she'll run okay. But again, she's got no soft ground or ask up form, which slightly tempers my enthusiasm. The one horse we haven't mentioned is Magical, who opened up at twelve and ten to one uh, about an hour or so ago. That is all gone. A sea of blue on the odds, odds checker grids, uh, seven to one and eight to one now. Maybe a bit of tens if you're quick, but I'm sure that would have gone by the time this goes out. Could that be? Um, you know, you, you alluded to it there. Could it be the jockey booking? Where it could be Ryan riding like magical that. over Hydrangea? Like yeah. Potentially, yeah. I, I, I'm not so. I'd, <laughs> I think Hydrangea is a good point. I, you know, I, I think she's not far off the right the right price at the moment, unless you knew something. <laughs> You're taking a real punt. She's going to suddenly find that form again against some very good fillies, maybe a tiny bit shorter, but. Um, I, I quite like Pelester, as you said. You'll be pleased tonight. I don't think Andrea's on this time. I think David Egan's got the ride. I, I hope Andrea isn't listening as well. Um, <laughs> I think David, David rode the horse at. He um, rode it at Goodwood and yeah. won, and then Andrea yeah. rode it at Doncaster. Um, she just didn't really pick up, though, did she? I know he sort of. It, they went slow, but I mean, he said, I thought they got racing early and she didn't really pick up. I, I, I like her a lot, and I think the reason why she didn't run that well at Doncaster was because the ground wasn't soft enough. Mm. I know going into Goodwood, they were terrified of the ground and they nearly didn't run her. Um, I, I know Roger Varian and I, <laughs> I was desperately trying to get him to convince the owner to run this and to supplement this and enter it for the St. Ledger. Um, I mean, it wouldn't have gone well based on her Doncaster run anyway. <laughs> but I still think this Philly, you know, from what I've heard, really wants soft ground and the softer the better. And, and I know this race has been the plan for quite a long time now. Mm. Um, the sort of the reasoning for the St. Ledger was they were going to sort of take it steady and then finish in the, in the group one at Ascot. So this race has been the plan for quite a long time and everything along the way has been a stepping stone. Um, I think she's a really stiff stare and, and Doncaster, as you said, was a speed test. I don't think it suited her. No, not um, and in this type of race, they, as, you, as we have said in a few races as well, they get racing early at Ascot and it can be a long, long way home. And it might really suit her, mile four. On, you know, it's a real test. I don't think she's slow either. Her Kempton runs show that she isn't slow. Um, and I, th- I think she could, she's going to see it out very well. If she's in a fair position turning for home, um, I just think it, I personally think more of, you know, I, th- I, wasn't, I th- thought Doncaster was a, was a bit of a blip. I thought she's better than that. Um, I'd be happy to ignore Doncaster rather than, the pace because she didn't really quicken from three to two and two to one. It was sort of only the final furlong I thought she got rolling. Um, but yeah, I think she's the. I think I think this is very competitive for me, Coronet. If it, from my opinion, I think Coronet can only win if it's a really below par race. 
I think it's her tenth attempt at trying to win a Group One. She hasn't won one yet. I, I just don't think she's quite there. I think she's probably a Group Two filly. She's got good form in Group Twos. But I think if Kite Surf and Lati Dar were to run their races, I think they're they're the two. I know they're not Ascot horses, and you could. Well, it's good that you guys are finally disagreeing. <laughs> it was all going a bit well in the first two, in the first couple of races, so yeah. it's, it's good. But then, I mean, it, it sounds like you're both. I mean. Uh, certainly Andy's very happy to watch Darcy Darwin at the prices and, and there's a few each way uh, picks there whether it's kite surf um, I mean you're both agreeing that Pilaster is, is certainly one to look out mm. for at 12 to 1 across the board there as well and you wouldn't be getting that price probably if it wasn't for that Doncaster run so True, yeah. if you can draw a line through that and then Coronet as well for Andy 11 to 2 and kite surf at 5 to 1 that's with Betfred Skybet and, La- Skybet and Ladbrokes uh, delighted that we're starting to talk about uh, a short price favourite and some each way bets as well it's about time um, on to the QE2 now and uh, Roaring Lion is the 5-2 to two favourite. Um, if John Gosden is listening to this podcast, he'll be crossing his fingers that finally you're going to give one of his horses a fighting chance here. Um, Recoletos is 6-1. to one. Lord Glitters, 7-1. to one. Lauren, 7-1. to one. Um, Adayeb, 8-1. Uh, Beat the Bank, 16-1. to one. Happily, 16-1. to one. Lightning Spear, 16-1. to 18-1. Uh, to one. Century Dream. And then 66-1. to one. Bar. Andy, what do you reckon here? Yeah, I, I, look, you know, I'm one of the fully paid up members of the Roaring Line fan club. I mean, he's, he's, I think I've put him up at least two or three times a season when he's been underestimated in the market, when he shouldn't have been, particularly at York, I thought he was a daft price that day. Got the job done really determinedly at um, um, Leopardstown last time out. Didn't get into a particularly good track position, but still showed a really good turn of foot. And that is the key to Roaring Line, good turn of foot. Um, but this is a different, totally different ball game to what he's faced all year. I, I wrote a piece on this race, um, I think it was maybe Sunday or Monday, and I, I put up um, Lord Glitters based on um, track form on soft ground. And I kind of like dismissed Roaring Line and Lawrence. I didn't really care whether they run or not. It's immaterial to me whether they run. It, all it's done now is made me even more confident to, to back Lord Glitters again because I think this market has gone completely mad. Um, Five to two for Roaring Line on a straight track it's never run on. On ground, it doesn't, it's not proven on. You, you, it's the name Roaring Line. You're back in the horse Roaring Line. You're not back in his ability. We don't know. You just do not know what, what Roaring Line's going to do. So how can you back him at five to two when you just don't know what he's capable of on, on a track he's never run over before? Um, the same technically applies to Ricolottos, who did at least run in the Queen Anne. And, of course, has won the last time out, and at least has got soft ground form. But the bare bones are that it's got thrashed at Ascot, the, f- the only time it's run on the straight track. So the front two in the market, including Lawrence as well, I mentioned her, I mean, she's had an unbelievable season, and you've got to tip your hat to connections and the way she's, she's gone about her business. What an amazing horse. Great heart, great fight. But all her wins have been on fast ground when she's dictated from the front. Now, could she make all over a stiff mile on soft ground? I, I, like I said, I, I think this market is absolutely, like, completely skewed um, and that's why I really fancy Lord Glitters I mean you can still see 7-1 now well, that's, I was going to say the good news was you put up the, 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 the tip a couple of days ago two points each way it was at 7s that 7s mm. disappeared very quickly but now because Rory Lyons still there the others are still there you've got the 7s back again so yeah. 7-1 with if, Coral if and Betstars happy days um, people are probably scrambling around trying to take 5-9 or 2 on, on, Monday, <laughs> on Monday or Tuesday but you, you, you can and some firms might go four places, you know. Well, you've got Skybet, uh, Betfair, Sportsbook, Bet Victor, and Paddy Power, all four places uh, with a six to one. I mean, surely Lord Glitter, even now, as I speak, has got to be a free bet at that price. Whether he wins or not, he's the bet of the race. Because 
you, you just keep backing horses like Lord Glitters and the jack will come up every now and again when they win. And, and the chances are that he might win. But even if he doesn't, he'll finish in the first four because his ascot form is unbelievable. His, his soft ground form, as I've pointed out, is something like 2-2, two, 1-1-2. Two, one, one, two, one. I mean, it's lucky, you know, you're testing the mic. He's got that many 2-1-1, two, 2-1-1s. One, one, two, <laughs> one, he's, he's hardly ever... He just hardly runs a bad race. Um, Jamie Spencer's been booked because, obviously, Danny Tudhype's got injured. So... Um, by hook or by crook, he's now got the best straight track jockey rider Ascot in the world on him. Um, and he's going to get a lovely toe in on that far side rail as well because I think he's drawn two and I think there are front runners on the far side. I'd be scared stiff of um, William Haggis's horse, uh, Adeyeb, who beat him fair and square on the day in the Lincoln. But Adeyeb did have the benefit of running where the pace was that day. And Lord Glitters, I think, was high, and he, he, he had to come over and across, and um, it didn't probably pan out for him as well as he would have liked. But on a stiff track, I've got Lord Glitters is just different grade, and I, th- I think it's 7-1. Uh, I know I'm obviously biased, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, because fair... I've already put him up, so it's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, really. But So fair to say that Andy has made up his mind uh, on this year's QE2. Mike, I'm going to come to you now. Please, for the sake of the podcast, for the sake of the video, don't say that you've got written down what Andy's just said. Can you take on Lord, Lord Glitters for us? I think Lord Glitters is the, the right price. <laughs> I did not... Not a back or a lay. I just think he's the right price. I personally, I have him rated 114. It's a very good level, um, but I think he'd need a few to underperform here to to win the race. They will on the ground. <laughs> very possibly. My bet of the whole day is Recoletos. I think he's I, I, so bullish on him. You only have to watch the champion stakes last year. I mean, he's against Cracksman. Cracksman that is absolute best last year. I gave Cracksman 131 for winning the champion stakes. You know, just watch it back turning in. There's only one horse travelling in anywhere near as well as Cracksman, and he's probably travelling better than Cracksman. You know, he's sitting in midfield. He quickly goes past everything bar Cracksman into second, and he just doesn't get home. You know, it's two ten furlongs um, soft ground last year. He just didn't get home. You know, I thought he showed so much ability. If he'd have been in the QE2 last year, he'd have won it. Um, Happy to ignore Ascot this year. You know, it's his only bad run, really, this year. His form this year is very solid. Fast ground um, in the Queen Anne. Drawn one out on the wing. I mean, I, th- I personally think everything just went against him. They gave him a little break. He came back and he finished second to Alpha Centauri. Um, and he was a very, very good winner at the Mulan last time out. I mean, thing about the draw here as well, I think Roaring Lion's drawn 15, if that's right. I think yeah, I wrote that down. Is, yeah. You know, he's going to be out on the wing. It's going to be a hard one. Recoletos might get end up running one off the rail if where that rail's going to be. I think he's going to get a dream run into it. I didn't think there was a lot of pace, but I think there's enough pace. Lawrence is the one that the only one I could really see going on here. Um, she's been brilliantly campaigned and she's very tough, but she's only run against Phillies this year. And I just think this will be. I, th- I thought she had a very hard race at Newmarket. She really had to dig deep. And, and if the team, the Lawrence team, were able to get her fresh and cherry ripe for another big race so quickly, and she wins, then fair play. <laughs> but at 13 to 2, she, you know, she looks the right price to me. She w- I think she'll be fine on, on ground, and I think she's going to run her race. But when I say I think she'll run her race, if they've managed to get her right again, I think she'll run her race. But I did think she had a hard race. Um, I think. 
She's installed six. Recoletos in three. I just think he's going to get a green run through. I'm so bullish on him. I just think, <laughs> just have, he ha in my opinion, he has to run below par to not win the QE2. And that's because Roaring Lion, I don't think they really want to run him. I think they're just trying to, you know, it's Champions Day. They want to give him a good run. But, you know, it's, this is the softest ground he's ever run on. When he won the Royal Lodge, John Gosden said he likes top of the ground. Um, American bred, he was very anti-soft ground. And, you know, they've already switched from the champion. It shows you how worried they are about the ground. They don't think he's going to get home in the ground. So they're doing everything they can to, to give him the best chance of winning a race, which is over eight. I think he'll be fine over eight. I think he's a very quick horse. But as Andy says, this is a totally different test to, to what he's had. And being drawn 15 of 15 isn't easy in any case. I, I just think Recoletos has got a lot... You know, I think he's going to save a good few pounds, maybe two lengths from getting a lovely toe through the race in behind the field. I think Lord Glitz will run well. I, I thought he had an each-way squeak, and I thought he'd run very well. But I would be very disappointed if Recoletos couldn't run to a mark a good few pounds higher than that. Uh, William Haggis's horse, I think he's, we've not seen the best of him yet. Um, he's the one that I'd probably be worried about because he won the Lincoln brilliantly. He was very impressive at Sandown when he didn't really have to beat, beat anything, but he did it as easily as he could. It was fast ground last time. Um, you can just ignore that, really. He's, he's, you know, in hindsight, they'd have looked back, they'd have waited until the QE2, they'd have come back for it. Um, but it is what it is. He hasn't had the hardest of campaigns, but he has been on the go a long time. Um, I'm sure William Haggis will prime him. And he's, in my opinion, he's probably the danger I mean, Roaring Lion will run its race, don't get me wrong, but I, I think with all the negatives around him on, you know, ground, track, draw, you know, he's had a very long season. He yeah. started in the Craven. Um, I just think you've got to take him on at the prices. That, yeah, for me, Recoletto, six to one is... I, I, I'm all over that. It sounds like you've both got your naps in this one, with Andy going for Lord Glitters and, and Mike going for Recoletos. And also, you both agree that Adayeb is the danger at 8-1. to one. Both those two horses that you've tipped up are 6-1. to one. Actually, Sorry, Lord Glitters 7-1. to one. Um, Recoletos is 6-1. to one. I would love to know, after both of your, uh, you know, after your tips there, who's going to back what of the listeners? Who's made the more, uh, the more pressing case between the two of you? Or maybe everyone will be piling into both of them each way. Uh, four places, as I said, with uh, Paddy's Betfair Sportsbook, BetVictor and Skybet at the moment. Um, finally, before we move on to the next race, I know there's a big price horse, uh, Andy, that you like uh, at 66 to 1 in Stormy Antarctic, who will have mm. no problems at all with the soft ground. Yeah, I mean, Ed Walker globe trots this horse, doesn't he? He tries to find soft ground where, wherever he, whenever he can. Um, I think he went over to America last time. Is it, did he go Canada, to Woodbine? Yeah, sorry, he went to uh, Canada in the Woodbine. Um, decent race there and he finished creditable third but I went through his soft ground and heavy ground form against another one that hasn't been out the first three on, under those conditions he's got Ascot straight track form as well albeit not top class but you know he's, he's a good solid group two horse on, 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 um, on his day and like I say I think this ground is a great level you can look at ratings and weights and measures and oh he's, this one's won a group one but he hasn't won a group two and he hasn't won a group one but it means absolutely nothing when the conditions are like this at this time of year I just think anything can happen um, and I think if you go down the route of just backing the, or the favourite or the right horse the, fav the favourite horse because it's got the best form because I, I, I think you'll come unstuck there's going to be some mythical results here you're thinking how did that win and it wouldn't surprise me if he ran really well I'm not saying he's going to win 
but I mean, his overall profile, he's hardly ever out of the frame. Well, he's still I, on target. I was going to say, I mean, 66 to 1. <laughs> if, if you look at his last four results, it's been first, second, third, third. That's been good ground, good ground, good ground, and firm ground. Yeah. So the last good to soft run he had, he finished two and, a, two and three quarter lengths behind Adair. Yeah. Exactly. Um, in second place. So, so fair to assume then, if, if you guys are worried about Adair at eight, then at 66 to 1. It, it can't in, be that. It can't be sixty-six to one. So all I'm saying is, like, um, if I day every seven or eight to one, then he should be what half those. He should be sixteen, twenty tops, and yet he's sixty-six. There you go. A, a bigger price one to keep us going on Saturday. Uh, on to the big one now. The champion stakes. Uh, Craxman, who'll be wearing blinkers, is the uh, is it even money favourite. Uh, Crystal Ocean eleven to four. Capri thirteen to two. Uh, Monitz Glen fourteen to one, Verbal Dexterity twenty to one, Rhododendron tw- uh, sorry forty to one, Subway Dancer hundred to one, and Maverick Wave one hundred and fifty to one. Mike, what do we reckon here? I think this is a bad champion stakes. Yeah, <laughs> I think you know you can, in my opinion, you can knock all of these. Uh, from my experience with horses, once a horse, it might be the cracksman that they, you know you don't hear necessarily the real reasons, in my opinion, why Cracksman's run badly. You know, the obvious reason why we're not hearing this is because he's going to be a stallion, and the last thing you want to do, if you've got a stallion, is tell everybody why he's not running his best. But in my opinion, his mind's gone. And it happens to a hell of a lot of horses. You know, it happens all the time. But the the only way of really solving it and getting them back is to geld them. And that's obviously not going to happen, happen with the <laughs> and, uh, How much would the race have to be worth to, uh, to, to do that? Exactly. I, you know, it's just, he's, he's, they're obviously not going to get him. At, not, not suggesting that for, in the slightest, but I, I'm, I fully believe his head's gone. If, if John Gosden manages to get Cracksman back to his best, I, it's probably the best training performance John Gosden will, will ever do, in my opinion. Um, I would be more encouraged if they hadn't put blinkers on for the first time. The fact they put blinkers on suggests to me that in the few months that he's been off the course, he hasn't gone the right way mentally. Um, I'm a bit surprised they put blinkers on, but you know, I think they're really this is the last roll of the dice. It's going to be his last start, and I think they're just going to do everything they can to get him home. But I personally don't think when a horse goes that way mentally, you'll get them back without gelding them. So, I think he's a terrible price, but I'm not entirely sure which one <laughs> of them is going me. to beat him. Um, I, Crystal Ocean, he, he's got very good form. He's a very good horse. He had to give weight to enable. Um, and then, then whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, but he's a very strong stayer. Um, Ten furlongs, I don't think, is his optimum trip. Um, he was outspeeded by enable last time quite, quite readily. Um, he scrambled home to beat Fabricate short head at the start of the year over 10 furlongs and, and his best form's over a mile and a half um, you know he, he does stay very well but 10 furlongs I mean softer ground will probably suit but that when he ran at Goodwood in the Gordon Stakes they were very worried about the ground so you know you've got soft ground with him and then Capri you know he hit the front in the arc albeit for about 10 yards <laughs> but and it's his positives with him, you know, he, he ran in a ledger. I mean, he won over 10 this year, but he won a Mickey Mouse race. I, I do, you know, does he have enough class to win a champion stakes? I mean, the way it's cut up, he might, if anyone was going to win the champion, it, it might just be him. I felt he'd been rushed to get to the arc because he'd had a problem in the summer and they were running out of time. 
but he's probably, he's certainly not good enough to win a usual champion stakes. He's not quick enough to win a normal champion stakes. This is a poor race. And well, I mean, as I said when we came to it, here's the big one. I think it's a name rather than an actual quality. Um, Andy, who, do you agree with Mike's worries about Cracksman? Worries enough for, for me not to back him at even money. money yeah. This is the thing for me today. I mean, you know, when I do my odds checker pieces, you know, most of the time I'm looking for a big price. Yes, if there's a short one and it's miles clear on my figures and I haven't got a great deal else, and I'll, I will go down the short price favourite route. But on days like this, when there's doubts about anything, I haven't got a hesitation but to oppose them or look for something as each-way alternative because I think that's the way you make your money long-term. Uh, look, I'll probably just fiddle around with some big prices on Saturday. This is the, probably the, the least desirable race from, from a betting perspective. But what I will do, I mentioned a lot of horses... Um, over the course of the last hour or so, I'll probably perm up quite a few of these in doubles and trebles, doubles and trebles, and just banker Crystal Ocean. <laughs> like I love it. The dead eight runners, um, and we can't see because having a non-runner between now and, and, and race time, you know, yeah. that, that's set now, isn't it? But, I mean, it's just the, as much as you can get place money going onto this horse and a few win bets, obviously, that'd be nice. But the place part of the bet is the key, isn't it? You know, you probably get three to one on Saturday, caught the odds with a few firms. And he'll be in the first three. Um, he loves Ascot. You know, he's, he, time figure-wise, he actually run to a level up there with Cracksman on my numbers when he was um, a gallant um, runner-up in the King George behind his stab of companion poets, for, poets were, sorry. Um, in a stellar King George where, the, rest, where the, the two were well clear of the rest. Yes, he was beaten by Nava last time out, but, I mean, to be fair, in hindsight, that was to be expected, wasn't it? Um, considering that he's a strong stayer, it was a rather odd ride, wasn't it? You would have thought he would have led an able and yeah. at least tried to drag the stamina out of an able having the first run back. But he sat him behind like an able and an able was always going to outkick him from three out. And, he, you know, he's plugged on as Crystal Ocean does. He's a mile and a half or ostensibly. But he's, he's got form over a mile and a quarter. He's, you know, it'll, it'll be more of a stamina test because of the soft ground. And ultimately, you could just set your cop by him. There's a few horses that line up here at Ascot, your Coronets, your Lord Glitters, your crystal oceans, time and time again, they keep coming back to Ascot, year in, year out. Pretty much the ground this time of year is always the same. They always run their races. And I think, if, like I say, you just keep backing those kind of horses all the time. The jack will come up every now and again and they will win. So you just play the percentages, really, rather than, oh, yeah, crystal ocean will definitely win here. But you just have bets where you think, well, I'm guaranteed to get a brilliant run out of this. And if that is good enough, then so be it. Um, I agree with Mike. I don't think Caprice probably quick enough over a mile and a quarter, I think. Crystal Ocean will have his measure. Monarch's Glenn's an interesting one. I think we haven't mentioned him, but he's 14-12 to 1, and he has got Ascot for him. He won the Wolferton, did he not? Yeah. Um, again, it's not. It's listed stroke group 3 form at best, that. But there, are, there has been winners out of the race, you know, Eugenio, whatever it was. He did, he did, he did carry a penalty, I think. Yeah. It's a very good, good effort. So it's a good effort. He's got form soft ground as well, when he won at Goodwood last year. So, like I say, you can almost perm up a few there, per, perm the two stout horses. If you're looking like I am of doing a bit of jiggery-pokery through the day and going, well, I want to oppose them and put them two in that three. You get some nice each-way place money rolling on. I think the uh, listeners are going to think that jiggery-pokery is a horse now. They're going to be looking down the field <laughs> looking for jiggery-pokery. Um, but I think it's a, good, it's a good betting strategy, stroke medium, over the five or six races this weekend to play around with prices. Look for the best prices. Look for the, the, the four or five places. Look for the quarter of the odds. You've only got to get one 20 to one or 16 to one permed up in a couple of bets and you get it going on 11 to 4, 3 to 1 and you get some great place money. So you don't have to back every winner without, with my, you know, and still make money. Um, and that's what I'm looking to do here. 
I'll just I'll just bank a crystal ocean as my last leg, yeah, last sure. leg of my bet. And <laughs> all, all, all the traders listening to this yeah. now are going to be delighted with it. Uh, <laughs> it's like oh, crystal ocean's got third. Yeah. Damn it! So yeah, he, he'll do for me. He's he's my anchor leg of my uh, HY multiples. So it sounds like uh, I think the agreement here is is basically to take Cracksman on, but with what uh, it's it's it's. Slim pickings, really, but Crystal Ocean eleven to four looks, to, for, at least to Andy's eyes, like a, like a banker for a place. Yeah, I don't care if Cracksman wins. I, I'm not worried what Cracksman does. <laughs> I just want Crystal Ocean to finish in the first three. It's a much better bet. And on to the final race of the day, which is a far far better um, you know, betting spectacle. At least uh, we have the Balmoral handicap. Raising Sand on the back of that win a couple of weeks ago is the five to one favourite for Jamie Osborne. Flaming Spear nine to one. Uh, Kinran nine to one, Argentello is twelve to one, Safe Voyage fourteen to one, Via Via fourteen to one, Zwayan fourteen to one, Charger Bridge sixteen to one. I'm not going to go through them all because there are plenty in this big field handicap. Um, so, Mike, coming to you first here, what is uh, you know, what are the horses that are catching your eye as as the prices have come out today? It's a, it's a very tough race. I think Raising Sand has an obvious chance, and is probably the right favourite. But I. Personally, would rather he was running over seven. I think he's got loads of speed. He was given a very good ride last time, but it wasn't hard to see the way. I know he saw it out very well to the line, but he's he travelled so well through that race that I, I just personally think seven might suit him better. Um, there's a, there's a few in here. I think this this is a very tough race. Um, Kinran hasn't had his ground since he was I think he was since he was second to Chief of Chiefs. I think it was at Sandown. Um, I loved his run at Doncaster at the start of the year. Um, I just, I just think he, this might just be the f- the first time for a long time he's really had his ground. William Buick's booked to ride him. Um, I see, it's a very hard race. I, th- I thought Argentello was very impressive the other night. Um, he's drawn twenty three though. That you know that, that could rule him out. Um, the, the main thing in this race, which I really found might be a problem for a few of these was there isn't really any pace in here and the only front runner might be another bat in 17 and less poet society who's currently first reserve gets in but he's drawn in store one um and it will be interesting to see how the course plays out during the day a lot of these you know they they take back straight away coming out the stall they all want cover and instructions will be to make sure they get cover um I just wasn't sure they were going to go very quick here, and I wouldn't necessarily wanting to want to back something that was going to be held up last. I'm not saying I want to be on something that's going to be prominent because it tends to suit horses held up at Ascot. But this might just be a funny race. Um, I thought it was hard. Hard. My, uh, I, I like Kinran quite a lot, and I thought Charger Bridge has run very well on soft on over eight furlongs recently. Um, and I thought the soft ground might play to his strengths. He hasn't had many many runs on soft, but he's from a German family through his dam. Um, and in my mind, from his form as a two-year-old, I just think he wants it a bit softer. And a really big field from stall eight right in the middle might just suit him being buried all the way through. I think he's about 14 to one or so. Yeah, 16 to one with, with Paddy's and Betfair who are also five places. I mean, so if, if I had to push you for a bet, Charger Bridge would be the one you'd be leaning towards now. I'd probably be backing Charger Bridge each way. I think he's okay. very consistent. And at that price, you know, there's going to be loads of place terms here. You might even, you're definitely going to get five, maybe six towards yeah. the off. I think from a, a middle draw, when he's going to be smuggled into the race all the way through, I, I think he's very, very solid each way. 
at that price. And if I had a win-only bet, it would be Kinran. Kinran is 9-1 to one with Betfred and Bet365. Andy, this is your kind of race, isn't it? What are you after? Yeah, well, it is ordinarily. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably have a couple of bets in this. I do like playing these races um, two against the field, maybe sometimes even three, having three each way bets, particularly if you get five, six places on offer. Um, and Mike's made some really good points about this race. Um, been a difficult one to have a dogmatic view at this stage until we've seen the evidence um, of the straight tracker early on in the car. So if, you, if, you're not, if you're desperate to take a price in the morning and try and get the very best price, then fair enough. As but, ever. You know. <laughs> but on a race like that, nothing's going to get collapsed. You might miss the 12s and it goes 10 or 9, but I'd rather take 9 and 10 knowing I'm drawn in the right part of the track rather than take 12 and think, oh, I'm a million. Like, because if you if you if you back, Mike said, um, Argentella and he's twenty three and the low numbers are miles clear in every other race on on the early part of the meeting. Then you know that that twelve to one or ten to one, you might as well be fifty to one. You still wouldn't back it. So I think you're probably almost better watching the first couple of races. But if, if you have me for an opinion now, I think Rising Sun is for once the right favourite. There's a few dodgy favourites um, scattered around the card, but. It's hard not to make him favourite on based on his track form and particularly soft ground form. He was brilliant when he won here the other day. I was seven. Um, he always looked the winner. He always looked in control. He quick and well. He's just a horse who comes in here in great form. I don't see his draw being a problem. Um, and he stayed, like I say, he stays. He's twenty. Yeah, mm, I suppose it could be, but we can say we don't know, do we? Um, I think there'll be another. There always is a couple of front runners at the gym jump out and throw the cap in the ring. I mean, Mark Johnson's probably got a couple in there um, that could go along and drag it along to a reasonable gallop. Um, there is a good thing in this race if he, if, he, if, if he take his Lincoln run at face value and he's got solid track form. That's Mitchum Swagger. I mean, he was third to Lord Glitters and Adi Ayed. Um, I think he was trying to give him weight as well in the Lincoln. And that's the only time he's had soft ground. He's only had a run twice this season, but the ground was too quick for him last time at Haydock. It was good ground behind uh, Ali Marantum uh, in a strongly run race at Haydock. That wouldn't have suited him. Um, but a straight track mile, soft ground. He's got some really, really into- appetising form, Mitchum Swag, and he's 20 to 1. I mean, what price would Lord Glitters or Adair be off his mark in this race? Yeah. I know, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's taking it really, really literally. But all I'm saying is he's, he's been overlooked. Mm off the back of one slightly mediocre run. He comes here fresh. And I think a lot of these have had hard seasons. You look at you know the likes of Aquarium, can he run well again? A lot of these have literally run themselves punch drunk now. Um, so you, want, you perhaps want to be coming, looking at something here, coming in under, slightly under the radar. Um, so if you're going to be betting out the price and say, Andy, well, you've got to have your tenner each way, I think 20 to 1 for Mitch and Swagger is probably the way I'd go now. Mitchum Swagger 20 to 1 with Betfair, Paddy Power, who are both five places, and Ball Sports, who are four. The key tip here, it seems to me, though, is to wait until we've seen a couple of races yeah. and have a look at how the races are panning out. That, I mean, that could be the case for these last two or three races, really, couldn't it? Well, I can't see anything in this race like that massively well clear that a lot of the tipsters are going to like your, your Tom Seagals, your Paul Keeleys, your, your tipping lines are going to like concentrate on anything and, and completely and utterly crash something through the floor. Cue a two-point each-way tip from you, Andy, the night Absolutely before. Absolutely no chance. It'll be a couple of half a point each-ways for me in this race, speculators. Um, so I can't see these prices changing dramatically. Like I say, even if they do, they're only going to go down a couple of points. And you, you might as well wait to, you know, the time of the race, 10, 10 past four, quarter past five. You've got all the evidence of the day, you know, where the draw is. Then, you know, you could get a little bit more confident. But now it's, it's a difficult place to sort of... 
um, get heavily stuck involved, heavily stuck into. Fair enough. Well, we've gone through the card now, and just a final question that we were asked, and I'm going to ask you guys. Mr. Gosden thought he was in the clear, but sadly, the last question is specifically about his four horses, and we haven't been too kind to them today. But I'll ask you both anyway. Gosden, this is from Alex Keating. Gosden has four hot pots: Lati Dar, Cracksman, Roaring Lion, and Stradivarius. Which is the biggest certainty? Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> judging by today, think any of the certainties, and which is the most vulnerable? Yakape is about tw- twenty-eight to one. It can't, can it? I'm going to answer that one for you, Alex. These guys definitely don't <laughs> think that the twenty-eight to one is value there at all. But first, let's change the uh, question now, Mike. Coming to you first. Which one would you back if you had to? Which one do you think is the most vulnerable? Um, it would be the one I'd probably back is Lati Dar because I think she is probably the closest to the price which she should be. I couldn't back Cracksman with any money. I, I, and I don't think Roaring Lion is a million miles away from the price he probably might be, but it still wouldn't tempt me in for a number of factors already already said. I think... God, it's, that's a hard... That's a so, hard one. Well, I, I wouldn't so, back any of so them. So Lati Dar, when you're back, and Cracksman the most vulnerable, would you say, out of the four? I think, I think so. I think Stradivarius is the most likely to win. Because that he's also shorter, bar shorter, yeah, yeah. the shortest yeah. price. So I do think Stradivarius is the most likely winner. But I think Lati Dar will run a very good race. And if I had to have a bet it, of on the four with the gun <laughs> to my head, it would be Lati Dar. And the gun to the head is the most important one there. Uh, Andy, how about yourself? I don't want to sound contrary, but out of those four, I think Cracksman's the one I'd probably be with the most. Basically, based on um, my theory that he's got winning Ascot course and distance form on soft ground. Despite him not having a stellar season, I think he's got the weakest race other than Crystal Ocean. You know, we, we haven't really given too many you know, positives about the rest, and yet we've given Lati Tar about four or five opponents he's got to worry about. She's never run around the track on soft ground. Roaring Lines never run on the straight track on soft ground. He's got a six or seven that could beat him. And, and um, Stradivarius got beat at the same price last year under the similar conditions. So, like I say, you asked me which one's the most solid of those, I'd have to say Cracksman. It still doesn't make me want to back him. <laughs> I think all four are very, very vulnerable and Seriously, if you offered me 100 or won that full time, I wouldn't take it. <laughs> there you go. What a way to finish. Wouldn't take the 100 to 1 on the Acker. I'm going to go now and have uh, cross doubles and trebles throughout the card. Each way, doubles and trebles, all going into uh, Crystal Ocean on Andy's recommendation. Thank you very much to both Andy and Mike for coming here today. Obviously, Andy will be writing his daily column as ever up to the day and also on the day as well, where I'm sure you can read what he said here today with his tips. But in the meantime, make sure you subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube page so you can see all of our content there before anywhere else and check the site and make sure you look at the grids when you're having your bets to make sure you're getting the best price that you can possibly get for your bets on Champions Day. Hold up. 